Hobart's Hit 100.9. Hit Breakfast with Dan and Christy. Dan, guess what I did this morning, my friends? I know exactly what you did this morning. <laughs> you dropped off Deb at the airport real early, didn't you? I had the pleasure of getting up at 3.30am in Norfolk to drive Mama Deb to the airport because Mama Deb had a flight at 6 mm-hmm. and she's one of those people that insists on getting to the airport like 8 hours early. Yep, I boomers know, do that. Oh, what is it? So, they don't like the rush of everything. Yeah, doesn't like, like the rush. like to easy. And not only did we have to leave ample time to get Mama Deb to the airport this morning, she did that thing last night, right? Because Mama Deb lives on our property with my husband, Justin, and I. She's got a little caravan out the back, in case you haven't heard me mention this before, even though I've <laughs> bitched about it numerous amounts of times. We love Mama Deb, but she's one of those people that just has to go over everything a thousand times. So even last <laughs> night, after dinner, after I've had this conversation multiple times, she's still just barging in. Justin and I are in bed, and Justin's sick. Oh, so what time are we leaving tomorrow? Do I need to get an Uber? Are you sure? And I'm like, Mum. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. And so this but morning. But no, we've already discussed this and I yeah, need to go to I've sleep. I've changed yeah. my mind since I mm. last said yes. And uh, this morning, right, I'm in the shower, uh, having a quick shower, and she's banging on the shower door just to remind me to hurry up and get out. I'm like, Mum. Can you stop trying to wake the entire house up? Like, we will get to the airport. It's fine. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it's the Hobart International Airport. So it's <laughs> exactly. a 10-minute wait through security, the baggage too. It's probably about, like, the most is, is half an hour yeah. that you'll wait. But she's actually sent me a message this morning. I'm like, Are you who's serious? Debbie Melissa? You're kidding and me. And it's your mum. She's and been messaging <laughs> me all morning. Has she messaged well, you too? she's messaged me too. She goes, hello. So I'm f- flying to Bris Vegas today to take grandpa on a cruise. Jesus. Great, Debbie. I don't need that information. <laughs> Thank you very much. Could you please remind Christy of the following on air every morning? Oh, thanks, I would Mum. be grateful. One Friday, take my car to Hobart for a service. Oh, my God. So there's that. I already know about this, yeah. And Saturday, take dogs to the groomer. Jesus, she's told me this a thousand times. Did she seriously send you this message? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to send her one back and just give her the, like, the thumbs up and just go, no thanks. <laughs> Hit 100.9. Hit breakfast with Dan and Christy. Quitting on the first day is something I've done before. Um, it does happen to people too. Sometimes you just turn up and you're like, this is not a great idea. Um, so I was reading this story. So someone was working at Home Bargains in the States and they did their first shift on a Saturday and was off on a Sunday but had family plans. And they waited until 11 o'clock on a Saturday to call them and ask. And they're just like, hey, can you cover for Sunday? It's 8 till 5. And they said, no, no, I've got, I've got family plans. And they said, uh, well, that will go down as unauthorised absence if you don't turn up. What? And she just went, all right, I quit. <laughs> so didn't even turn up to a first shift. So she quit after She's like, day. you know what, hung up, never called back, and just went, you know, I'm out. Fair enough. You yeah. don't want to be dealing with that. Who no. calls someone at 11 o'clock the night and saying, oh, look, so you're needed Sorry, tomorrow. you're actually on. The no, rosters have changed. Can't what do a that. weird rotation. Exactly. I would have um, quit too. I, I did this uh, when I was on Centrelink. Uh, it wasn't for very long, but I literally could not find a job in Melbourne for a while, so I was on the JobKeeper. You ever been on that? So <laughs> when, once you've said your story, Mm. I'll tell you a story about the same thing. Well, it's kind of like um, you can't refuse jobs. So yep. if you're offered a job, but they literally send you out anywhere and you have to do the job. And I did not want to do the job. It was a waiting <laughs> was job. Yep. And it was like for probably about 700 people at some event in Melbourne. And I just pretended I didn't know how to do stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, wobbly drinks, hot plates full of buffalo wings, can't do it, can't negotiate this crowded room. I don't really deal with people very well, 
And also, like, yeah, I've really hurt my arms, so I can't carry anything. I'm not a bodybuilder. Yeah. I can't hold heavy objects safely or quickly. And I, I literally was rostered on, even though I just pretended I didn't know how to do anything. I, I, like, like, even she goes, oh, do you know how to hold hot plates? It's just like this. I'm like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> no, really? I, I don't think I'm able to do that. No, I've got really sore wrists. The thing is, yeah, what is that? Yeah. The thing is, right, there is, I have so much respect for any hospitality worker. Good on you. Everyone out there that work. can manage a restaurant or a bar, anyone who works in, in a cafe. Oh, God, you're doing great work. And I have quit a job on the first day as well. Because, so this is when, COVID was happening on the mainland, right? And mm. New South Wales was in lockdown. You had to, and so was Victoria. Like, it was bad on the mainland, a lot worse mm. than here. So we said, all right, let's move to Queensland and let's go to my parents' house. So we did. So we went up to Mum and Deb's house, right? Mm. Um, we had a bit of savings in the bank, mm. but we moved to remote Queensland. Like, I'm talking four hours west of Brisbane, like country, 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 right? Where there was... N- Don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, so you're very rural. <laughs> very rural, right? <laughs> mm. And this is where you do, like, all the orange picking. So it's citrus picking, and you have to if you – I think there was a lot of um, people that wanted to get the visas and stuff like that, and if you're out there, you have to do the job. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to do the Centrelink thing because I was like, hang on, I would technically be eligible for this because yeah, I surely. finished work. You've worked your whole I've life. I've worked my whole life. I was like, I don't care. I'm mm. totally pro doing this. So I tried to do, like, a job seeker claim, and they're like, no, sorry, because you've got – you finished up your other job, you've got a bit of cash – you can't get it. I said, are you serious? That is ridiculous. Mm. This system is so... Broken. So, don't they even make start it me. very, very difficult for you. you. Exactly. If you're seeking work, I don't care. It, there's this ridiculous connotation that you're a loser or a bludger if you need to get Centrelink. Nope. What a load of rubbish, you <laughs> know. People out there work hard and deserve it. That's what <laughs> it's there for. That's why you pay tax. Anyway, exactly. don't start me. So I thought, look, I don't want to just drain our savings. Yes, we're okay. But I'll, why don't I just kind of go and do this citrus picking thing for fun? Because you get paid. I was like, you can get paid good money if you fill up this bucket of oranges and lemons and stuff. Oh, my hard God, work. dude. I've never worked so hard in my life, except for maybe when I gave birth. It was the hardest thing that has ever happened to my body. (laughs) I quit after six hours. I'm talking stinking heat. Oh, yeah. Your your wrist is so sore from all the work that you do with it. You and I have such an amazing amount in common. (laughs) We both pick fruit. And we're both very handy with our wrists. That's what you call it. So anyway, Mm. I know what it's like to quit on the first day on the job. And I think a lot of people out there... Mm. Would resonate with that too. 131060, we want to know uh, did you quit on the first day? Hayley from Hobart, did you quit on the first day? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Good. Uh, so it was for a workwear place in Hobart, and essentially no one else had actually applied for the job. And I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so normally I do my bit of research before looking for work, and unfortunately I didn't for this one. And I understand why. The guy that you had to work under was an absolute a-hole. Mm. And the vibe I got for him was just not good. Like, he was like, you need to do, like, I just wasn't vibing here at all. Like, yeah. he was just rude, he was arrogant, and so I literally turned up for, like, an induction thing and then just didn't turn up the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I've been induced. <laughs> Tell me more about the thing I won't, don't want to do. <laughs> so, yeah, did they say anything? Did they keep on calling you, or you just screamed no, the calls after that? No, they didn't call me. Like they must have, they must have known. Like I got no calls, no emails, no nothing. So they must have knew. Didn't pass the vibe check. Good on you. Beck from Claremont, did you quit on your first day? I sure did. Mm-hmm. What was it? <laughs> 
Well, I started my first day as a child carer. One of the little delights punched me in the face, gave me a black eye. Oh. So that was the end of my child caring career. No way, Beck. <laughs> but you have to, like, that's a long time to get the qualifications for childcare, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So you quit <laughs> after one day? I just wasn't putting up with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, to be fair, Beck, mm. if like it's hard enough when they're your own kids. I can't even imagine yeah. how difficult it is yeah, to I'll be quit caring on day for one. Them. <laughs> Smile and wave. Dan and Christy. Here's more from Hit Breakfast with Dan and Christy. Hobart's Hit 100.9. Just quickly, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to play Orange Crush by R.E.M. because it's a great song. Uh, but the TikTok Orange Peel Theory is relationships' biggest test, they're saying. So they're uh, putting it on with a new trend. It's going viral on the internet. It's a love language with people. And explaining it is uh, this young Jed Zia. Peeling an orange. Let's say that for whatever reason, I hate peeling my oranges. But I really like oranges. I asked my partner, hey babe, would you mind peeling this? orange for me and they can either respond with of course love like not a problem at all or they can say no you are perfectly capable of peeling that orange yourself because even just a super tiny thing like that reveals so much about their attitude toward you and your relationship oh my god get oh my me god the spoon. what are they talking how is this even a discussion in relationships these days with the, mm-hmm. with the gen zers what who even <laughs> eats oranges have yeah. a mandarin mandarins are where it's at anyway you can easily peel a mandarin Mm. how do you even peel an orange that's not a thing you've got to get your knife out you've Mm. got to chop off the skin like oranges aren't designed to be peeled so there's your first mistake with your stupid orange peel theory sorry i want a bit of a rant there's 34 million views on it so you do ask your partner hey babe do you mind peeling this orange for me and just get their response so people have been doing this heaps and they're perfectly capable of doing it themselves. It, but peel it just your own shows orange. Peel, <laughs> peel your own banana. That's not a euphemism. Hit breakfast with Dan and Christy. I love Mario Kart, but geez, it is frustrating. And the news just in, Mario Kart has been named the most stressful game to play of all time. It increases your heart rate by an extra 32%, according to a study. My favourite of your Mario Kart stories is the stress that was involved, because am I correct mm. when your beautiful five-year-old daughter, Maddie, mm-hmm. beat you at a Mario Kart game? She didn't beat me. I will never let that happen. <laughs> uh, no, she got 60 out of 60 on a 50cc Mario Kart circuit. There so the go. first circuit. And, and Maddie, it was the proudest father moment of my life. The fact that she got first in every race. I mean, because it's an easy game to learn. It's a hard one to master. That's the thing about Mario Kart. If you're a very good Mario Karter like I am from way back, I am unbeatable at the 64 version but I'm not very good at the Switch one which kind of sucks for me. So Mario Kart 8, I'm not great at. Really? But, um, it's a pretty popular Christmas oh, gift. Get it for the kids. Well, see, I grew up playing the Super Nintendo, right? Which mm-hmm. All the Nintendo's not the Nintendo 64. 64, not the yep. other 61. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I loved playing the Super Nintendo. And mm-hmm. you know how you would have to go through stage to stage to stage to stage. And mm-hmm. I was getting up because it only has 10 levels, and I was at like level 8 or level 9 with my sister Sarah. I'm talking <laughs> this was a year's worth of work that we had saved with progress for each level that we got to. And you know what my mother did? Mama mm-hmm. Deb, she turned off <laughs> the television at the yeah, PowerPoint before we'd saved it, and we lost <laughs> our entire Everything. year's worth. I remember the frustration. Oh, yeah. And, and this game is the most frustrating game ever. Like, the Italian plumber Mario, I scream at him all the time. And there's nothing more frustrating because in Mario Kart, it's a, a, a quite a leveler because there's all these items throughout the game that uh, can create the last player to just suddenly be in first. There's a thing called a blue shell that you could be first the whole match mm. for two out of three laps and you're heading to the finish line <laughs> and then a blue shell hits you and you come eighth. And you <laughs> so, come eighth. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Enough about your personal Dan life. And Christy. Hit breakfast with Dan and Christy. Now, we've got a cute story about Jack. Jack, a beautiful five-year-old dog. Uh, Jack is a, a mix between a husky and a shepherd, so extremely gorgeous dog. Uh, five years old, and before we continue with this story, just know Jack was totally fine. Nothing like He's all right. he was fine the next day. He probably just had a bit of a sore head because Jack's owner, Mary, came home. This happened over in America, and Jack had found a few open bottles of some vodka Smirnoff <laughs> and Bailey's, and Jack had had a bit of of a, a skull, 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 hadn't he, Dan? Yeah, he did. And coming home to a drunk dog is very, very funny, but very dangerous at the same time. But this is the audio of it. So this is what I just came home to. This is empty. This was uh, probably more than halfway full. Jack, try to walk. Come on, let's go. <laughs> and he just falls over. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, he's fine. He spent mm. one night at the vets, uh, rushed, rushed to the vets, and he um, the next day was prancing around like he didn't even have a hangover. So mm-hmm. good on Jack. He's obviously got stamina. He can jump up the next mm. day. I certainly can't. But oh, can yeah. you imagine coming home and your dog's done this? I remember, Dan, so I seriously turned my back for two seconds. Like I'm talking two mm. seconds. And my son, Hendrix, maybe about three years old, He'd picked up my glass of wine. He's just oh. seen wine there as a drink. The kids cordial. are running around playing, blah, blah, blah. Turns around, mummy's put a drink. He just grabs it and starts to drink <laughs> it. And I freak out because he's had a good skull. You know when kids are thirsty, they just skull whenever they're in front of them. So and I'm like, the wine. are you okay? I mean, it wasn't a huge amount. Maybe a sip or two. And I just gave him heaps of water and some juice. And I called mm. the, the line and I, and I said, you know, and they were like, look, he'll be all right. Just yeah. watch him. And let us know if there's any problems. But I feel friggin' terrible. How I thought quickly you were going to say happens. Maui picked up like a bottle of wine and just started tucking him too. <laughs> no, well, Maui doesn't have a brain, our dog, so that would require yeah. a bit of intelligence. I love her dearly, but oh my God, she can't even, she doesn't know what a lead means. Mm. Well, this is what they say. The ingestion of alcohol can cause dangerous drops in blood sugar and blood pressure for the dog. So it's more common than you think that dogs will just tuck into whatever's in the pantry. Oh, they really so, do. They're mm. so, they're, and I think as well, you know, dogs get so bored and so anxious waiting for the parents to come home that because it is the highlight of a dog's day when you arrive home they are so beautiful the tails wagging they jump up oh, all over yeah. you and that's what i love I about that. maui it's mm. just that unconditional love you know what i mean so and i think then they, they hang over things. the next day too with the powerade <laughs> isotonic and the kebab hit dan and christy the weird world of Dan. Yeah, it's all things weird and wonderful. And I found this story. Did you know that women can smell single men? <laughs> There's a few out there actually right now. I are can you, smell them. Are you one of them? They're in the bushes. They smell <laughs> like deer pee. Um, but, uh, yeah, a strong whiff can actually help unattached men uh, signal their availability to women, according to science. Cute. Because it's uh, suggested that testosterone may contribute to BO, but um, single oh, males okay. have a stronger aroma to those who are spoken for. They did a bit of a test about this. So uh, the nostrils of 82 heterosexual women uh, had soiled armpits. Jeez, what a study this is. Imagine being that scientist. Ew, yeah. Like, Let me just get all these armpits for you. I thought that there was a quite a, not a romantic reason, but more mm. of a kind of the scientific component without just the oh someone's got BO kind of mm. vibe because I swear to God I can I can look at a man and tell mm. if he's partnered or if he's single. It's can just you? a different energy. From the smell, yeah. No, from not the even just from the pheromones. Just yeah, okay. from the way, like I don't know, hubby Justin just is is like you know when you look at people like you're one of them. You're yeah, okay. so married. It's good. Like How I do you can, know, though? I can How can just you tell. tell. Well, yeah, okay. you, don't, an aura. you don't. Yeah. You know, and the just... fact that you know me and you can see the depressed look on my face. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe there's that too. And the fact I have no money whatsoever. They're like, you're married with children, right? Yeah. The yeah. lack of $100 bills is kind of like, yeah, put that in. But um, yeah, there was um, the pleasure of sniffing six different garments and they could each smell the single guys. Why so isn't this The fragrances. Guy- and apparently it was a little bit more sexier, the smell. No, so, it's not. Mm. No. There is what the BO smell is sexier. Mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me. I, You know what I love? I love the smell of my husband's deodorant so much that when I smell him with his deodorant, Same. I started to wear it just so I could feel like I was always smelling Justin when we were apart. Whereas I smell of Lynx Africa and desperation. <laughs> Hobart's Hit 100.9. Hit breakfast with Dan and Christy. This is going viral and it's a Tassie pub. Ever been to Wellbra, mate? Wellbra. Wellbra. Rural pub in Tasmania, the Wellbra pub, uh, the Wellbra hotel. Uh, it turns its struggle into employment for staff because oh, yeah. it put up a satire uh, on the internet, but it actually was looking for employees. It found itself bombarded with applicants because they put up an unusual job ad. So the Welbra Hotel, about four hours out of Hobart, so kind of northeast Tasmania, uh, kind of near Derby, if you know Derby pretty mm-hmm. well. But um, yeah, the job ad called for kitchen and front of house staff and noted it did not matter if the applicants had a police record, a drug habit or an alcoholic problem because they were so desperate. You know what? I mean, at least they were honest. Mm-hmm. You know, at least they were saying, look, we're going to give you a shot. You, you might have... I mean, as long as it's not like someone's going to hurt people or hurt kids or anything like that. Like, if you've had some problems oh, before no, in your past. Oh, no, police record, it's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's better with a police record. That's right. There are some, thing, there are some things on a police record that, mm. that it, it, it does stop people from getting employment. You know, that's it might true. have been a minor offence before. It might have been this. Like it, you know, There's a lot of reformed criminals out there. Totally. That's for sure. I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, references to Gordon Ramsay, Heston Blumenthal, they're like, oh, we're actually desperate for staff. We actually just need uh, people to apply for this because otherwise, if I don't find anyone before Christmas, I won't have a business then you before lose, Christmas. That's the thing. Then you mm. lose your business altogether, right? Yep. And that's that's what they said. Police record. Who cares? Drug habit. Join the club. Alcoholic. Don't get me started. Mm. And 250 comments. And then just all of a sudden, uh, there's so many people that have been employed afterwards, uh, prepared to reach out. People around the Wilbur area, there's like very good people in the world, have stepped up and five job offers immediately. There's already 10 staff after this post, and they will be remaining open uh, after Christmas too. So. Well, that's, I mean, at least that's mm. good. That's employing people that might have done some bad things in the past or whatever. But at least we're giving them a shot at employing people in the business is going to survive. So how'd you go? Did you apply as well? Yes, for sure. I'm very unprofessional (laughs) and I've got a lot of police records (laughs) and I'm an alcoholic. Hit Breakfast with Dan and Christy will go anywhere you do with the listener app. Get it today. These guys may be coming back. Maybe back for good, that is. (laughs) Take that. Uh, I love this Australia, uh, they're coming down here. And Gary Barlow and the boys, so Howard Donald and Mark Owen, and, of course, Robbie Williams used to be in this band, Take That. I know everyone forgets that. So that's how oh, he got really I never famous, forgot. Hey? <laughs> Yeah, that's how he was famous. Massive in the UK in the 90s. Huge. But they said uh, they may be touring very soon. The ultimate boy band of the 90s. Yeah, we're Have still here. Um, we are, you know, we're lucky enough to still be able to make uh, new music. But we're very excited about it. We've been working on it for the last year. Um, we've just set down some tour dates. We're going to be on tour in the UK and Europe, and we're really hoping we come to Australia the end of next year. We hope so. I'm there. Absolutely amazing, boys. But, well, I mean, that's great. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. like, what have they been doing other music since, or are they apparently? <laughs> 
question. I don't know, Gary. You'd have to ask Gary that, but I think Gary has been making music for that time. Good on have him. Have you watched the Robbie Williams documentary no, I yet? See, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's so good. I haven't seen it. I've got so he many hated things in my Robbie. watch. Like, Gary what? and Robbie were worst enemies for a long time, but they were just young, and, and they wanted, like, big single careers on their own. That's and, and the Robbie problem, isn't it? And Robbie had a bigger one yeah, that's than the, Gary. Oh, yeah, what about the career? <laughs> um, that's what happens with all this stuff when they're all young kids in their 20s and they start mm-hmm. their, their, their bands that grow up, and you see it happen with heaps of boy-girl bands, girls. This band. That's right. They broke up and they won't speak to each other. Mm. There is the best documentary on YouTube. Do yourself a favour today if you love the 90s songs like this one uh, because they had huge falling outs, um, massive problems, and it's just so fascinating that a boy band would go through all these trials and tribulations. Mm, mm. Um, There's only three of them now in five. Yeah. And S Club 7's now like three. Yeah. So what happened there? Yeah, well, mm. that was sad. And someone from S Club 7 passed away. That was really sad too. Mm. And remember Spice Girls broke up. When Jerry left the Spice Girls, like they ruined the greatest thing on mm. the planet. And they, and I think, you know, sometimes too much too soon. Money mm-hmm. gets in the way. Egos can get in the way. Not being able to mm. really appreciate what you have. And True. then you get out of it and you go, oh, my God, I had it all. I had this. Like I loved I, I hope this band's still together. Yes. They've still been making music too. When I was a little girl, <laughs> me and my girlfriends, we would make dance routines mm. to this song, Say La Vie by Bewitched. Mm. It was the best. Mm. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there as well. I loved the cause, even though that was the brother mm. and three sisters. They True. were an amazing group of the 90s as well, weren't they? So were Aqua. They were amazing. Dr. Jones. Yeah. Great but, but, song. But thank God for this. This band is still together right now. I like your <laughs> Nickelback. More stuff like that in minutes. Head breakfast with Dan and Christy. It's 100